the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show. Live from the Tap House Grill in Montgomery. Now alongside the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, here's your host, Nick Brunker. All right, welcome in. It is a Monday night live here at the Tap House Grill. Glad to see everybody here tonight. Certainly a great crowd on hand on this Monday night. It is the final show of 2012 before the calendar year switches to 2013. And we have so much to get to between now and the top of the hour. Please welcome the head coach of the Cyclones, Jared Scaldi, who's with us to talk about the week that was. We'll look ahead to everything that is coming up in uh, the next uh, seven days as the Clones will close out this week before Christmas with three games over four days as we will get into uh, beginning Wednesday in Fort Wayne. Details on that coming up. Plus, we will give away a Mike Embach autographed game used stick by the end of the night. Speaking of Mike Embach, he is here and will be joining us along with Anthony Luciani coming up before the end of the show tonight. Yes, yes. And uh, some interesting trivia questions for Mr. Embach as well. Details on that to follow. Plus, for those that are interested, we will give away the, uh, the stick via a trivia question. It is about Mike Embach in a sense. So a little hint about that coming up. Uh, three games this week we'll get into. First Wednesday. Let's uh, first, though, go back to the week against Florida. Two games over three days. Uh, a couple of close ones against a very fast Everblades team. Give us your assessment of the week that was. Uh, you know, I, I think we, uh, we had opportunities to tie that game. We maybe potentially win those games. But I, I felt overall we had our moments. But, um, you know, I thought they were the better team for two games. I thought, uh, you know, you look at that one-third period, we outshot them a bunch. But, uh, you know, that's a team holding a lead. And I thought we, we sustained some pressure. But, um, you know, I just felt, felt from a, a standpoint of uh, overall, I just thought that, uh, you know, they, they were the better hockey team for two games and deserved those wins. Like I said, uh, you know, it been nice to tie it up. I know Bacher had a great opportunity at the end end of uh, the second game to tie it up and believe me we'd take a point or two out of that but uh, you know overall I think it was a good uh, uh, good to see a team like that a team that obviously has some size has some speed and uh, um, and again they deserve those four points so uh, it was uh, you know a tough week you want to you want to obviously get some points anytime you can but uh, you know I think it was a good lesson for us that uh, you know there's some good teams out there there's some physical teams some bigger teams and and uh, you know we have to play a certain way and stick to the game plan we're going to play teams like that. Anthony Luciani also made his return to the ice of course we'll talk with him about that coming up great to see him get back into the mix I know he has been itching to get back out there and uh, you know obviously earned an assist in his uh, first game back so I guess amidst that how do you felt he did in his first game? No, I thought Lutz did good. I thought he, uh, he he's probably a, uh, initial scheduled. He was going to be another week uh, before he could play. He's probably going to be in the lineup this Wednesday. But uh, under the circumstances of with some injuries and stuff and the way that he had been practicing and the way he'd been shooting the puck, I, I you know, we talked about it. And he felt he was ready. Bob Case felt he was ready. And, uh, you know, I thought he played very well. I thought he brought some uh, life to our lineup, a spark. And I think he's going to be a big help for, uh, for us offens- offensively and especially for our power play. Some of the uh, news that went quickly and quietly, Chris Reed was called up to make his first American Hockey League uh, start over the weekend with the Springfield Falcons, the uh, AHL affiliate, AHL affiliate, that is, of the Columbus Blue Jackets. He, just moments ago, has been returned to the Cyclones, kind of expected. He went up there for a game with Springfield needing a guy. Getting back to defense, though, tell me a little bit about what you think is going to happen this week roster-wise. You had six. You now remain with six if you get Reed back. And in terms of, of the defense and the forwards, where do you see this roster shaping up for Wednesday? Well, I think we're going to have a few players available for us, uh, you know, potentially Garrett Wilson, uh, Matthias Lindstrom, and uh, Dan Eves. So, I mean, there's three left-shot left-wingers that uh, that are coming back. Dan Eves obviously can play center, and, and, and Garrett Wilson can play the right side. 
Nick Matthias Lindstrom plays the left wing. He's made that very clear from day one. So, um, but uh, you know, I felt that in going back to me a little bit of the Florida uh, games was that I, I think we miss those guys. We miss guys like Willie and Lindstrom, guys that uh, you know complement lines and, and drive lines and compete and battle. And, and, and not not against the the lineup that we had. There's anything knocking guys. I think we need more of it. And uh, you take those three guys out of the lineup. I thought it made a difference. I think it makes a difference in the way what we want to play and the way we do play and um, so uh, I'm excited to get uh, one two or potentially all three back for uh, Wednesday's game. You're going to head into Fort Wayne also known as the jungle one of the places that now in the ECHL is towards the top in terms of attendance they always pack the place uh, I guess there are a couple questions in regards to Fort Wayne uh, for fans that may not have experienced it or you know just even heard about it really uh, what should they and your team expect on Wednesday night? Well it's a great environment I mean I, I've been uh, I, I'd played there against them for years and then have coached when in, in the IHL when I was there against them and it's just an absolute fabulous uh, environment so uh, it's going to be loud the fans are, are, are really into it and it's uh, really uh, you know the way they pack them in high up like that I think it's a great thing for our guys to see and uh, you know it's a Wednesday night it'll still be a good crowd but we'll get our plenty of opportunities on Saturday night to go to Fort Wayne and, and play but uh, no I'm excited for guys to see it I'm excited to get back there and um, you know it's a team that we haven't seen yet we're going to be seeing I think uh, uh, 10 times this year mm -hmm. so we're going to we're going to find out early enough here on Wednesday but uh, I know they've 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 won some big uh, big games of late by big scores and um, you know they're a team that can score so uh, again it always comes back to the way we want to play and what we want to do and uh, it's no different than against any other team so uh, we got a good day of practice tomorrow we'll make some adjustments for the week and uh, go from there after looking at the way the last two games went is there anything systematically I know you've been doing the same types of things every single week uh, and adjusting you know tinkering with things as they are necessary is there anything specific that that you looked at from the last two games and say you know, we're going to try to change it up a bit uh, going forward from here. Well, I think one thing is our, our forecheck after watching some more video today. I think uh, we want to be an aggressive team, but I, it takes all five guys to do that. It's not just one guy. And I thought we're our forwards are being, our, our F1's being very aggressive, doing a good job. But I think we've got to do as a group a better job with our F2, F3, and our defensemen being up ice. So, I um, mean, some we'll work on tomorrow. Again, another short week of practice. We uh, skated this morning, and then uh, we'll go over some things tomorrow and right back at it on Wednesday. So, so um, there's a few things we need to touch up on. And uh, like I said, from a personal standpoint, it's good to get some guys back. And uh, we do have some guys that are kind of banged up. But uh, it's nice to have these guys uh, ready to go. Uh, we talked about your, your experiences as a coach in Fort Wayne. Dating back into the IHL days, you obviously played there as a player as well. Uh, do you have any, uh, in particular, a most memorable moment at the Old War Memorial? I got one, but it's so um, so off the charts that some fan had a sign that I could not believe. You couldn't get away with it today. When this was like with it was that Robin Bawa, who was a tough guy. That uh, some fan had a sign that was so inappropriate that would be escorted, maybe uh, you know charged with something this day, but in Fort Wayne he got away with it. I can't say it on here, but uh, it's just a different environment. I mean, the, the fans are, uh, you know, they're you know they're very passionate about their Fort Wayne Comets. They've had tremendous success over the 50 plus years or whatever they've been in existence, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, they've got an ownership group that uh, you know makes it very clear that uh, when you're in Fort Wayne, they're in your building, they're in their building, and uh, uh, it's just it's just a, something different. Uh, you know, they've been in every every league imaginable in North America, and now uh, 
Uh, they're here in the ECHL, and um, they're the Fort Wayne Comets. And, and, and again, they, uh, they, they let you know when you're in their building that uh, who they are, no matter what league you're in. We talked about the readiness last week of Michael Hauser getting back to the Cyclone side of things uh, and, and how he was approaching 100% and getting ready to get between the pipes. Is this going to be the week that we see his ECHL debut? Um, right now, it's something we're, we're obviously talking about. We, we looked at last week. We had that one game on Friday against uh, uh, Florida. We, we looked at that as a possible uh, opportunity to get um, uh, Michael his first pro start. Um, looking at the weekend beyond, we thought, you know, it's one one game this weekend. You know, let's go with the guy we know that can do a job for us, and that's uh, Brian Foster. And, um, you know, we went with him. So, you know, moving forward, I, I you know, we're looking at, uh, you know, Michael getting in a game this week, and, uh, you know, Wednesday may potentially be that opportunity. Uh, obviously, for him, he's coming off of just an unbelievable career in the OHL. OHL Player of the Year on top of his goaltending numbers being the goalie of the year. Uh, is there anybody, based on your, your knowledge of him in practice, watching him move around, watching him play, that he compares to from an NHL level? I know it's not equally uh, easy to compare an NHL guy to an ECHL guy, but is there somebody he reminds you of? Uh, one, one, one guy he reminds me of, not the NHL level, is Jeremy Smith a little bit, and I know his, 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 his body type and stuff like that. I mean, you see Magnus Helberg come down. He's six foot six and just, uh, you know, about 190 pounds. Mm -hmm. And, you know, Brian Foster's got a certain, you know, so quick down low. And I, I see uh, uh, Michael Hauser a lot like Jeremy Smith, a guy that just stops pucks. You know, he's not a uh, as structured as a lot of guys uh, are, but you know what? He, he's a, he's, he basically just stops pucks and competes on, on every one. I think that's one of Jeremy Smith's greatest strengths is that he never gives up on pucks. Uh, if there's a shot, there's a rebound, another rebound. Smitty was always able, has that ability to battle, and I think that's what Michael Hauser has. If you look at him from a technical standpoint, you know, you might say he's not your type of goalie or whatever, which a lot of guys are looking for the Magnus Helberg type goalies. Right. But this guy stops pucks and he competes on pucks and he, and he never gives up on a puck. So I think that's, uh, at the end of the day, I think that makes a good goaltender regardless of your body type and, and your background and, and your size. I think guys that compete and battle on pucks are the ones that are successful. And obviously, you, you get a chance to see him a lot more than I do and obviously the fans at this point haven't seen him in a game yet. What type of a personality does he have? Because sometimes you, you see a guy and you're, you're interested in kind of figuring out, A, how does he play on the ice, but how does he mesh with the rest of the group so far? Uh, Michael Hauser's on the same line as Mike Pellick. Uh, says nothing. <laughs> just very, very quiet. He's, uh, you know, just comes to the rink every day and, uh, you know, gets his gear on. I mean, he, he's, he's part of the group and stuff, but he's just a very, very quiet kid. I mean, I've had conversations with him about his knee and how he's feeling and his conditioning, if he's ready. And, um, you know, we have those brief conversations about it. And, uh, uh, just let him know to be ready that uh, he's going to be getting a start soon. But no, he's a very quiet kid. He's had a long, uh, it's funny that a kid's been sit, uh, living in Fort Lauderdale, Florida for the last six weeks and he's absolutely bored out of his mind and can't wait to get going, which <laughs> I, I understand. He's been, uh, you know, rehabbing his knee and, and getting some shots from Brian McCabe, uh, player development for the Florida Panthers. But uh, end of the day, you want to get in the locker room, you want to get on the ice, you want to be around teammates and you want to get in game situations. So I know he's excited to get started. I, I was going to uh, mention this earlier when we talked about Chris Reed, but I find it very interesting, and it's obviously a really a good statement about what the type of players that you have and you've worked with over the course of the year uh, are, but it, it read, obviously, a calculated send-up and send-back, but for the most part, you look at guys on the roster that have made the trip up, many of them have stayed there for a long time. Of course, Jared Gomes was supposed to be here to start the year, ended up making the team and, and being up there all year, but you see guys like Shala who go up and stay up for a while. You go see guys like Roussel who obviously go up again. They have multiple call-ups 
multiple length, lengthy call-ups mm -hmm. at that. What does that say about the, the type of team you've had from a, from a talent standpoint? Well, no, I think our, our team, we've got, uh, you know, extremely talented team with a lot of depth. And I think, uh, you know, with the, the guys that are out that, that are a big part of our team, the guys that have gone up that, uh, you know, are a big part of it. So it's uh, it's great. I mean, I know it's frustrating for the players when, you know, Mike Embach can speak of it, obviously being healthy scratched and, and stuff like that. And it's tough on players. I mean, we healthy scratch five guys every night and five quality, quality players, guys that you know can help you. Uh, on a game-by-game -game situation, but uh, from a coaching standpoint, obviously it's nice to have that depth. From a player standpoint, it's frustrating, and you know we, it's leveled itself out. You know now we're we, we've played short. We've uh, you know we've gone with uh, five defensemen or, or short forwards and stuff like that. But uh, you know at the end of the day, there was never an issue of uh, uh, you know taking a guy out, putting a guy in, wondering if our lineup's better. We know it's going to be the same or potentially even better because. Uh, you know, there's such good quality players that we have here. Looking at Florida and Cincinnati this past week, there were a couple of NHL players on their roster. Ryan O'Byrne and Mark Stewart both played in the National Hockey League a year ago. And it brings up an interesting conversation, a couple of different avenues to follow. We'll go with the first one first. Every story, a story that you read, every article that's out there, seemingly circles mid-January as the do-or-die date for the National Hockey League to play in 2012 and 13 in a shortened season. Assuming that that it does not take place, which is really what most of the articles are saying is going to happen. Do you expect teams around the ECHL, like Florida, to start seeing an influx of players in the from the National Hockey League make their way down, or do you think they're going to find their their money, so to speak, elsewhere? I think you'll start seeing NHL players sign in. I won't. I don't. I'm not going to say there's five, six guys per team. I think you'll start seeing some guys. Right now, everybody's waiting. It, it, the thing about this is it's it's week by week. Your hopes get. Uh, you know, every week it's different, you know, and so as players, they're sitting at home doing the same thing. I mean, they're like, well, I'll wait one more week and then I'll wait another week. And next, you know, it's November, middle of November and it's, you know, Thanksgiving's coming up. And I've had many conversations with NHL players about coming here. Um, you know, the risk involved is obviously losing a player now in the lockout ends and then where you're at you know because these guys are leaving that's one situation i didn't really want to get involved with but uh um i would imagine once the lockout ends or there is uh no season you'll see some guys come down to these chls because some guys just want to play you know right. ryan o'burn and you know mark stewart people talk about you know what are they getting paid i mean it doesn't matter i mean uh you know i know if they're making 700 dollars a week they're not negotiating for eight you know yeah. for these guys uh, a lot of these guys are giving their money back to the players back to their teammates and stuff like that so uh they need to play players want to play players need to play i mean there's guys i've had conversations with that are you know 30 31 years old that they can't afford to take a season off so right. um you know i think you'll find it I, it won't be something crazy where you all of a sudden there's a whole influx of nhl players playing the chl but i think you will start to see some guys coming down and playing and, and just to stay in shape for at least three four months and, and hopefully beyond and i'd imagine too I, it, this is not a knock on guys that haven't be, uh, played at the highest level or worked uh, as extensively as you have with players and coaches and scouts and everybody around the nhl over your your long 20 plus year career in this game, uh, I'd imagine that, that having those type of, of contacts, the networking, the Rolodex that you've acquired over the many years has got to help you in this type of a scenario. If indeed it comes to that, you've got a long list of names you can call and reach out to. Yeah, and you want to be careful. I think, uh, you know, talking to Florida's coach, I think he's got two quality guys in Ryan O'Byrne and Mark Stewart, and, that, and that's the difference. I mean, the play on the ice is obviously one thing, but, you know, you need the right people to come in and, and be part of your team. Um, you know, guys that are going to fit in, guys are going to buy into 
you know, the way we live, the way we travel, the way we do things, the per diem we give out, the everything about uh, the ECHL, and you need guys that are professional about it, guys that are, are going to be buying in, and from all indications from their head coach that uh, those two guys are just quality people and guys that just want to continue to play and help that team win. So you've got to be careful. It's not just about the on-ice product. It's more important about what kind of people you have in that locker room. Uh, I had a question off of email, actually, and it was kind of on the same subject. And I, I want to ask your opinion on it because I think that, uh, that there are people that, that look at the game as a fan and they assume things that they just shouldn't assume because they don't have the knowledge to back it up. Whereas you, on the other hand, have been in the trenches. You've played at that level. You've coached in the, in the minor league level. You've been around the game a long time, as we just talked about. So you, you are probably the perfect person to ask this question to. As a coach of the ECHL Cyclones and coached in the, in the IHL and the CHL, uh, you talk about a team like Florida or another team that's in the ECHL that gets an NHL, t- uh, NHL player sent down or signed. There are arguments, and this person off email argued against the fact that, that this is a developmental league. So signing guys like uh, Brandon Dubinsky comes to mind in Alaska or, you know, Scott Gomez also signing in Alaska. It, it throws off the balance of a developmental league versus guys that are just playing to earn a couple extra bucks, whether or not they end up giving it back to their teammates. Do you see an imbalance in the, the way the game is played from a fair standpoint if you're getting guys, maybe two or three or at the most four, from the NHL that mix into a group that primarily are there to develop? Okay. Um I, I guess it goes back to, is this a development league? Because um, uh, <laughs> Ray Harris is in the room. This isn't a development re- league. This is, a, this is about winning hockey games. So right. I, I think there's absolutely no, uh, no shame, no anything in, in bringing in NHL players. I mean, we're here to win hockey games. If they can help your team win, if they can help some of your guys be better around them. So, yeah, I, I think the ECHL model obviously is about, you know, the, 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 the top development league in, in North America. And I believe that in some degree that, uh, you know, we have a responsibility as coaches here to, to develop players. But right. uh, uh, at the end of the day, it's about winning hockey games. And uh, there's no question that's what this organization was started from and, and continues to do. And that focus has never changed from, from ownership, from management, all the way down to myself. And, uh, you know, you, 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 you pride yourself along the way of helping some guys out and hopefully some guys go on and have great, tremendous NHL careers. But at the end of the day here, you know, we want to win hockey games. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, that's what it's about. Yeah, you're there to put the banner in the rafters at U.S. Bank Arena again, for sure. Uh, we looked at the at the way the schedule has been organized, and really every year you have a stretch of games where you're playing the same two, three, four teams. We just talked about how you got off a streak uh, just last week where you played six straight in the north. Now you, you sprinkle in a couple of games against Florida, South Carolina this week, Fort Wayne a little in division, just one, but then you go back on a stretch of games where you're back in the north again. And and it's funny how we talked about how important games are uh, from, a, from one week to the next. It's been seven days uh, almost exactly since we've been at this very table talking about the balance that was more top-heavy where you had two teams and then everybody else. Now, all of a sudden, after one week's time, you have everybody in the mix again, uh, a handful of points away from one another. Uh, obviously, that speaks to the parity in the league, at least at, at this point, but it also speaks to the importance of playing consistent hockey. How do you get back to that trail? 
Well, it starts with one game on Wednesday night. I think I agree with uh, you start seeing separation in the division and then, um, you know, you, you lose a few games and then you don't play in the weekend. You wake up, uh, you know, Monday morning and you're, uh, you know, the, you, you see some the gap closed up. So, uh, you know, Evansville went on a 5-0 and run or 6-0 and run, whatever it is. And, um, you know, we lose a couple games. The next thing you know, everything shrinks up and, and Toledo lost a couple, but now they've won a couple. So, you know, it's just um, you're, you're grinding points. I mean, what you're doing through a 72-game season is grinding points. Any way, anyhow, you can. Depending on no, no matter of your lineup, what, what if you're depleted or you have all your guys, you're just looking to grind points and get points throughout the season. And uh, you know the, the the focus is Wednesday night. Is let's get back on the winning ways here on Wednesday, and uh, the weekend will take care of itself here as we get into it. But. Uh, you know, we've already talked about it. it's a good opportunity. It's a great place to go, mm-hmm. full of emotion and energy. So I think uh, it, it's a situation where I think it's good for our guys to get on the road here after losing three in a row, especially two at home here, and uh, get on the road in an environment like this. A couple more things before we let you take a break, and we'll get Mike Embach and Anthony Luciani up here. Uh, you talk about the intensity in a building like that. It, obviously, fans there are jacked up for their team. They want to see them win. They're making noise and crazy, booing the heck out of you when you're on the ice and doing things. But I got to think, especially early in games, that type of intensity can also benefit the road team despite the fact that they're not the ones being cheered for that loud intense atmosphere i think amps everybody up doesn't it oh for sure i mean it, it's tough i mean uh Barker was in chicago last year there is no tougher place to play from a uh, an emotion standpoint than in chicago last year with 500 people on a wednesday night in that <laughs> building it's and tough. that's generous it's tough for everybody it's tough for them as a home team and as a visiting team so uh, you know I, I agree nick i think uh, you, as a visiting team going to an environment like that is great it's it's energizing it's fun and it's exciting and we got our first question of the season yes from mike kyle mike kyle is senior. here senior yes and mike kyle jr is here too well, but senior has the question <laughs> <laughs> no live mike so just go ahead and, and ask your question you took the one question because uh-huh. I, oh, one, one question I had is, is practices. I mean, the guys know what they're doing now in the AHL level. We got more experienced players, so practice run a little smoother sometimes. The question was. For those that didn't hear, the question was: Is our practices more more smooth now that the players know what they are doing? Well, I think since Luch is back, they've been a lot smoother. I think. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> so uh yeah you know what you're saying mike uh you know we've got it, it's great to see guys that have spent time at development camps and prospect camps and been to nhl camps and you know and then you know they'll get down to our camp here in cincinnati and it's it's really seamless a lot of stuff because uh you know these players are so smart they, they pay attention to details and and, and a lot of the stuff is not earth-shattering or different than what they're learning up there. So it's uh, guys just come in seamlessly and do stuff, and it's great, uh, great to have them. They're all in such great shape. All of them are just phenomenal, phenomenal condition. By the time they get here, it, yeah. it, it starts at the top and, and everything. So you know, it, it, it is. It's a it's a joy to, to you know design practice and go out there and execute practice, knowing that we got some guys here that uh, are intelligent, highly skilled, uh, highly conditioned athletes. Well, it makes a big difference too. You're talking about the speed. Thanks for your question, Mike. I think the thing about the way practices have been designed, the fact that you can get off the ice at one point and say, that was a pretty good practice, the speed. You can even feel it on a morning skate during the day of a game. That, that was a pretty crisp, clean morning skater. That was a good practice. Oh, yeah, we, we see it out there. You can tell the speed, the energy level, the way the guys are executing, and some days it's really good. And we've got our second question oh, of the season. Okay. From Mike Kyle question Sr. Question two. You were talking about last year we went up to Chicago. There wasn't that many people there. There was a little ruckus, but how would you compare Fort Wayne?
CHL, how would you compare the crowd in uh, Fort Wayne in comparison to Evansville or Toledo? The comparison, the question was about comparison to size of crowd in Fort Wayne versus the size of crowds to, like Toledo and Evansville and others. I just think that Fort Wayne's crowd is uh, very raucous and, uh, and, and kind of they like to bang on the glass and really involved. And I just think that the way the building is, is that the, the addition they put on, how high up it is, it, it feels like the crowd's on top of you. So the environment is... Uh, it's, it's good. It's, 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 it's a lot of fun. It's, so it's a, it makes for a different uh, environment. Toledo's got a great building. It's a loud building, beautiful, brand new building. We're Fort Wayne. There's a lot of, a lot of history there. And uh, like I said, it feels like they're right on top of you, and you come out through that tunnel, and it's, uh, it's good. One more. Third well, question of the season by Mike question. Kyle Sr. <laughs> we, we got our first instant replay this year, right? Sorry about that. We got our first in instant replay, a plus for us. So we're a little bit behind Toledo, but it's okay huh. to do that. It sounds like it's okay now. The instant replay is not actually allowed. I'll let Jared answer that question. Yeah, I think uh, we got we got burned on a goal last year through instant replay in Toledo yes. where, um, you know, the referee called it no goal, but then, of course, they put it up, and the linesman goes up to him and tells him, yeah, that was clearly in. So, unfortunately, that's not supposed to happen, but... Um, you know, we're, we'll, we'll stick the way we do it here. We'll let you get a break after those rapid-fire questions. I love it. Thanks, Mike. Mike. Thank you, Mike. Coming up great. next, we will visit with Cyclones forward Mike Embach. This is the Coors Light Jared Scaldi Show live from the Tap House Grill. CyclonesHockey.com This is the Cyclones Radio Network. We're back live at the Tap House Grill on this Monday night. Thank you for being with us. One quick programming note. We've been kind of teasing it over the course of the last couple of weeks. This is our last show of the calendar year of 2012. Next week, of course, Christmas Eve, there will not be a show here. And then the following Monday, the Cyclones will be on the road to take on Kalamazoo on New Year's Eve night. So we'll be back here the first weekend, or the first week, I should say, the 7th of January, coming up in 2013. My next guest has posted points in two of his last three games, an alumni of the Ferris State Bulldogs hockey program. Please welcome number 26, Mike Embach. <laughs> hey, guys. How are you, Mike? I'm good. How are you doing, Brooks? Good. Uh, you're on pace to set a career high in points, certainly a week uh, of games against Florida, and then, of course, your goal in, uh, in Evansville, a rebound-style tally for you. Tell us how you feel things are going so far. Uh, it'd be nice to start burying some pucks within uh, 10 feet of their net would be good. <laughs> and I know Scald's touched on it earlier. I missed that one at the end. It would have been great to get the game tied. But, yeah, so far just uh, a lot of hard work, playing simple, trying to start throwing pucks at the net more, and hopefully they start going in. What's the most important thing that you have learned so far in your year plus as a professional? Uh, consistency, coming to the rink every day, working hard. I mean, it's more like a lifestyle that you got to get more involved in. Without having college or school to go to, it's a lot more discipline on yourself to go to the gym, to get in the team workouts and everything. All right, let me go ahead and just take that mic right there. Perfect. All right, so the idea behind college hockey, we talk about with, with Coach a lot, and anytime that we got guys that here from, from the OHL or juniors, QMJHL, what have you, uh, we talk about the difference. And one of the things we just talked about off the air is, is the changes that are going on in college hockey and, and I think if you look across the board college sports in, in general are making a lot of different shifts and it all comes back to one thing and that's money uh, you certainly look at the way the Big Ten has kind of poached uh, teams like Ferris State like Miami University others uh, you know certainly that are in the mix but aren't a Big Ten program uh, and now you have Big Ten schools separating themselves from everyone else Ferris is going to go to the WCHA Correct. Miami of course going to the NCHC with Colorado College and, and Denver and the like Without getting too far into the college hockey mix, 
What do you think that does to college hockey programs like Ferris State and Miami, who, who may now not necessarily play against those long-time long hockey programs right. like Michigan and, and like Ohio State and others? Losing rivals, especially for the smaller schools that don't yeah. have the large budgets like Ferris, like those, that's the lifeblood of the whole organization, those, yeah. those four games a year versus Michigan and Michigan State. We make 85% of their athletic budget for all of their sports. So it's things like that in the Big Ten. It's kind of, you're right, it's pooching them, but I feel like they're going to come out, especially with the run they made the last year. You know, they're, gonna, they're getting a lot more donations, a lot more sponsors, so hopefully everything works out. And take me back to the, some of the years, because I think uh, you and I are in the same somewhat age bracket, and you look at, at the way that the program developed when I was at Miami they were still just starting to get their legs and starting on that run and now you come in at Ferris State and have those four years there where you, you won letters each season and then now here as you're watching that, that program build to the point now that it's it's competing for national championships. That's got to be an exciting process for you helping build a, a program that's now competing nationally every year. Oh yeah, absolutely. I went in there with a great class with seven other guys and from our start I think over the four years that I was at Ferris we were the only team in the nation that had a winning record against Miami somehow. When yeah. that's when they went on. <laughs> Easy killer. Easy. No, that's serious. That's a fact. You can check that one. Well, I, I don't. I don't disagree that but it's yeah, a fact. No, you're right. No, we uh, we had a great class going in. They had some good recruits, and then from there, we just winning season after winning season. We started putting it together. Tell me about last year, watching it as a as obviously an alumni, but a fan too. You get a chance to follow the college program. You're playing in Chicago, so at times maybe checking scoreboards and watching highlights and things. Every weekend. Uh, tell me about uh, what it was like watching that run, because I know from from watching my. Miami do in 2008 what it was like and how exciting it was and just to be in that environment in the national championship game uh, to be one game away from winning the whole thing what was it like as an alumni of the program surreal <laughs> no it was shocking I mean at first I mean, we knew they had a great team and we thought we lost quite a bit like if you looked at the scores they we, they lost all their points a lot of their veteran status you know our top goalie was an all-american Nagel back in Florida now and mm -hmm. it was just we we didn't know what was going to happen or what to expect after and a lot of the guys too that I, I mean I stay in contact with a lot of them they didn't know either and then as it started to happen like they started stringing wins together wins together and then they're ranked and then CCHA final, like everything, yeah. just all fell in place. What was your favorite part about your college experience? I mean, obviously, you, you come into your professional career uh, playing four years in college against some of the best in the business, uh, and, and you get a chance to look back on it now, kind of a couple of years removed. Was there one moment that stands out as your favorite? When we won that overtime game to go to the Joe against Nebraska Omaha, it was awesome. And going there, just that whole experience playing, being in downtown Detroit, you get so much press, publicity, everything. And the whole time you're there, it's like you get, you're all that matters that weekend. It's pretty cool. All right, shift a year later. You, you get out of school. You're looking to, to go pro. You play in Chicago. Certainly it, it did not go, I think, as that, that city and that organization had hoped it would. And now everybody on that team at the end of the year is now a free agent. So you had your choice of any team in the ECHL, hopefully trying to sign American League deals as well. What ultimately brought you to the decision that Cincinnati is the place that you wanted to be. We played here nine times last year, and I hated it every time, so I knew I'd love it if I was here. And uh, Scalds had called me right after the year, and I talked to him quite a bit, and it took me six years to find a coach that I really like and that likes me, so I thought that it was working out. And I knew all the guys on the team. Like I, Honestly, it was the first year since I was a Bantam that I've come to a team without personally knowing anyone on the actual team. So, But when I walked in, Scalds was like, oh, yeah, here's the numbers. Here are the guys. I'm sure you'll love them. I was like, yeah, I mean, I basically know them all just from talking to them on the ice. I felt like I <laughs> could make some easy friends out of it, and I knew they had great 
core group of guys. So figured even with the lockout pending and whatever happened with other signings or assignment guys coming down, we still had a good chance of winning. All right, we will uh, now wrap up our interview with the same way we did last week. We will do five quick hitter questions, and we'll see how you answer in comparison to maybe some of your teammates. And we'll maybe compare them at the end of the year, too. But all right, first question. Favorite food is? Chicago-style pizza. Yeah. <laughs> Popular answer. Favorite movie? Uh, the Dark Knight trilogy or the Batman trilogy. Sorry. Which one was the best? The last one was awesome, but I, I like the second that one because it was filmed answer. in Chicago, though. Okay, okay, okay. Favorite musical group or artist? Dave Matthews Band. Have you seen them live? Numerous times. Favorite Christmas gift you have ever received? Uh, probably Xbox, just because I use it to stay in touch with everybody. And which game, I know it's probably the obvious answer, is your favorite or most played game? Right now, it's Halo, not Call of Duty anymore. Really? Yeah, I kind of bailed on some of the guys. <laughs> NHL-wise, NHL do, NHL. Do, do you play often? Everybody's gotten into this new hockey ultimate team thing, so we don't play three-on-three three like we were doing in training camp and stuff, which I miss. It was way more fun then. Okay, last question. Which one of your teammates would make the best United States president? Besides me. Besides you? Dan Eves. Okay, well, in, in that case, I have follow-up questions. <laughs> if you think that you would be the best president, I think we should figure out if he would even answer some of the citizenship questions correctly. He is a native of the United States, so we'll see how much he knows. Okay. What are the first three words to the U.S. Constitution? We the people. That is correct. One for one. How many U.S. senators are there? It's two per state, 100. That is correct. Two for two. Impressive. Yeah. All right. What let's see if Congress? he can get this one. Congress has 435. It, I know that. All right. He's pretty good. He's asking me questions now. <laughs> if both the president and vice president can no longer serve in their roles, who would take over the office as the United States president? That's, that's interesting. Um, I know that one. You know? We'll see if he gets All right. it. I, I thought it was either Secretary of State or Defense, but I feel like it could be someone from Congress, too. I need a final answer. Uh, Secretary of State. Is it not? Was I right? Secretary Congress? of State. Raise your hand if you think it's Secretary of State. Who is he it? He says no. It is the Speaker of oh, the House. Oh, okay. Someone from Congress. That was, I had that involved. <laughs> Speaker of the House or the President uh, Pro Temporary? Tempore. Uh, well, you're, you're knowing all these Latin terms, but you can't get the answer right. I didn't know uh, which one. All right, all right. Sorry. This is this is one that I, you have to go back and actually think real quick. I mean, obviously, if you know the answer off the top of your head, you're pretty good. But who was the last U.S. president to serve only one term in office? Okay. Obama. Bush, Do you know this one too? The older Bush, Bush Senior. That is correct. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> Pretty good. All right. Well, with that, we will let you go. And uh, Mike Embach approves this message, I think. Yeah, Is that right? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hi. I'm Mike Embach. Can I approve this message? That's Mike Embach. Give it up for him. Thanks for being with us, Mike. We'll no uh, bring back Anthony Luciani next on the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. You're listening to the Cyclones Radio Network. All right, we are back live. Another segment on the Coors Live Jared Scaldi Show here at the Tap House Grill. Glad you are with us. Our final show of 2012 till we turn the calendar and join you again January the 7th, Monday after the first of the year. We hope that you will be with us for that show. And between then, of course, be sure to be with us at U.S. Bank Arena. A couple of games this week. One on Wednesday away and then two on Friday. Back-to-back -back nights against South Carolina. Details on that to follow. Plus, we will give away this Mike Embach autographed game-used stick 
at the end of the show. The uh, trivia question hint, it has something to do with Mike Embach and his alma mater. That's the hint we will give you for now, and we'll give you the question coming up in just a bit. My next guest has made his highly anticipated debut over the last couple of days. He earned an assist in his first game back. Please welcome second-year pro number 90, Anthony Luciani. Thank you. Thank you very much. Welcome. Tell me about, uh, off the bat, why you chose to be number 90 this year against the number 26 of Mike Embach. Um... Was there a reason behind it? Well, I mean, fair and square, Embach was here at training camp, and he got to choose his number, and he chose 26. Oh, so he, so he hooked your number? No, it, it's okay, okay, it's okay. I, um, <laughs> it's okay. I said, it's all right. It's acceptable. <clears throat> um, he didn't. Um, no, I'm kidding. He asked, but uh, I wasn't going to take it away from him, and I asked what numbers were available, and uh, 90 was my birth year, so... I went with 90. Perfect. It, it suits you, I think. Yeah. One of the high numbers. I love it. All right. Tell me about what uh, the rookie campaign for you was like. I mean, you went through it, obviously. You played the whole year, uh, and you get a chance to be one of the top players on this team. Certainly a fan favorite, as you can tell. Uh, tell me about the experience now playing your first year pro a year ago, having a chance to look back at it. Um, it was a good experience. Uh, I enjoyed uh, my first year of pro. Uh, Wish I could do a little bit better, but, uh, you know, we uh, had a good run, and uh, <clears throat> the people you meet in pro hockey are, you know, first impressions are everything, and I uh, I got Skull's impression, it was a good impression, and I enjoyed it, and this year, I like I wanted to, I did want to make San Antonio, but, um, you know, when they sent me down, I was all right, happy. I was, it was, I was excited because I knew I got to come back at Skulls and uh, be in front of the crowd. It was pretty fun. Uh, tell me about what you feel like you, you're building off of and trying to build off of now that you're getting back into the swing of things. We'll get to the injury in a bit, but, but what kind of things from the first year do you hope to improve upon and get even better at in this second season once you get rolling? Definitely, um, I feel like I've been trying to practice on, well, not really practicing, but focusing on my defensive play. Uh, that's a big thing I want to uh, develop. Okay, with, with that in mind, you, you know, you have a chance in the offseason to, to work towards that goal and, and train. I know that we spoke off the air uh, a little while ago, actually, about the, the, uh, the summer that you had and how hard you worked to, to put yourself back on the ice and then get ready for a second season. What kind of things did you do? Why was it the hardest summer of work that you've had? Um, I, I think it's because I did a lot more hockey-related exercises. I, I actually worked out with Matt Siska and uh, Mike Liambus this summer, and uh, we were pushing each other, so... It was, it's a, it was a change for me, and I enjoyed it. One of your trademarks in Cincinnati, I think, as, as everybody in this room would know, are your celebrations. Uh, a, do you have a go-to? And B, do you have one planned for when you score your first goal on Wednesday night against Fort Wayne? Uh, yeah, I have one planned. <clears throat> it's kind of special to me, so I'm going to keep it a secret right now, but um, <laughs> I don't have any... Let me ask you this: do you, do you plan on do you plan on breaking it out on Wednesday when you score, just or do you, are you going to wait to the first home game so you can do it in front of these folks? <clears throat> uh, this is just going to be my first goal. Okay, so everybody has to either be with us in person or watch the game live on American One. So, uh, is there any any uh, celebration in your career that you think back, man? I wish I wouldn't have done that. Um. <laughs> I, I, it's just because I'm so I, excited when it, whatever, when, when it happens I'm excited I do whatever sometimes I p point to people in the crowd or, 
I don't know. That's not, that's not an embarrassing. Yeah. No, no, I'm just things yeah, I do yeah. or knocking on the glass. And, I think uh, the maestro was pretty much the yeah. best one. That was, I, I that, enjoyed that, that one. Was, that I was my favorite that. one, if you ask me. Uh, all right, well, with that, we have a, uh, to wrap up with our five quick hitters for you. First, favorite food? Anything. <laughs> any food? Any, yeah, pretty much any food. Really? Yeah. No, Brussels sprouts? Yeah. Really? I, yeah, the, the balls, right? Yeah. 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 I had a couple uh, good cooking billets. <laughs> In junior, so. Favorite movie? <laughs> My favorite movie. Remember the Titans? Good. Good choice. Favorite musical group or artist? I'm going to have to go with L.A. Golding. Is that the person or group that you listen to most before games? Uh, no, I listen to everything. What is on your iPod as your <clears> big <throat> jack-up song, the one that you get fired up listening to? <laughs> I don't know if I could say it on the air. Okay, then we won't say it. All right. Uh, <laughs> favorite Christmas gift has been in your lifetime? When I was younger, I used to love getting hockey sticks from my parents. They'd wrap it up. I'm like, oh, what is it? I knew it was a hockey stick. It's my favorite gift. What, what stick was it? Do you, do you remember which one it was? TPS rubber. And now, rubber. looking back on that, <laughs> is there one on your list this year? Is it a hockey stick again? I imagine probably not. Uh, you can no, go to Berkey's office and get whatever you want. Yeah, no. Um, Reebok, I guess. Reebok. Yeah, kind of see Reebok. Uh, candles? No, candles are on I your like list. candles, yeah. My mom's going to get me a couple candles. What, what scent do you prefer of your candles? <sighs> it's like a cookie scent. It's like you a like cinnamon it? cookie Christmas okay. scent. So the, Chris, the Christmas... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> approval. Approval. All right. Uh, uh, Christmas traditions. You obviously, being an Italian, I imagine typically eat pretty well around the holidays when you have an opportunity. What is your favorite Christmas tradition? And then we'll ask you about your favorite Christmas foods. Um, favorite... <laughs> oh, I, I like it when after dinner, my dad always pulls a stunt where he's, I gotta go to the bathroom or go somewhere <laughs> and he leaves for 10 minutes and comes back and there's jolly old Saint Nick. Oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if I ruined anything. And your favorite food... Is during Christmas break? During Christmas, because I know they're typically uh, different times. Varieties of fish. Really? Yeah. A anyone is here? Hey, th that's what I was like. Fish? Scallop, shrimp, lobster. So no, crab no pasta or anything like that. Uh, no, I don't really enjoy pasta. Really? I've had it so much growing up. Yes, that that's I'm true. Like, and yeah. You live on it from April yeah. to uh, October to April, right? Yeah. All right. Now, I guess the last question. I know we've had more than five, but we'll let you go. Uh, do you have an opportunity? If you had the opportunity to vote, obviously you can at this stage. If you could, would you vote for Mike Embach as president? Of course. Would of you, course. Would you vote him over Dan Eves? Um... I think I'm tighter with Mbok, so I'm going to go with Mbok. He'd be my buddy. Very good. Well, we appreciate you being with us, and yeah. thank you uh, for uh, spending a few minutes. Thank and you. Best of luck the rest of the thank way. You. That's Anthony Luciani. We'll come back with a head coach next on the Cyclones Radio Network. This is CyclonesHockey.com. This is CyclonesHockey.com. All right, we are back for one final segment of 2012 before we hit a couple of road games over the next couple of weeks and then get back at it in 2013. Looking ahead to the week that is, of course, we touched base a little bit before uh, in our last segment on Fort Wayne. What you, uh, you are to expect, South Carolina made a trade today, sending Daniel Coger out west. He is now a member of the Bakersfield Condors as of this afternoon. They'll come in for a pair of games. You've seen them already once before. 
So with that in mind, I know you like to go one game at a time, but looking ahead just a bit, uh, what kind of game plan are you going to set up against the Stingrays to pick up another win? You know, I thought they had a very solid team. We beat them 2-1 in that uh, morning game. And, um, uh, you know, they, they found some tr uh, troubles along the way here. And I know recently, though, I think they've won about eight in a row. So, I mean, they've got a good team. Um, I was surprised by Daniel Koger. I was actually excited to see him come to town uh, this weekend. I'd, I'd talked about a trade with them uh, over the course of the last few months about getting Kogi back here. So I was a little surprised today when I saw him go out to uh, Bakersfield. But, uh, um, you know, I ho hope things work out for him out there. But, uh, you know, they're a good team. I mean, uh, South Carolina's always got a good defensive-minded team. And uh, they've got some guys uh, that Tyler McNeely and Hunter Bishop, guys up front that are very solid, solid players. So, uh, you know, again, it's a, it's a weekend that, um, you know, it's always that exciting weekend because the break's coming up and, and you don't want guys to get too ahead of themselves. we got some work to do. we got, uh, you know, 120 minutes of hockey this weekend that uh, we need to compete and we need to battle and work with. And, uh, um, you know, you always want to go on the break with some momentum. You want to have those games so you can enjoy your Christmas break, come out of the break because when we... Uh, we get out, out of Christmas here. We've got four and five nights, three in a row, and it's uh, it's going to become a grind here in January. So uh, these next three games are very, very important for us. I imagine, too. I mean, you, you mentioned how important it is and how, you know, obviously it has already gone by very fast. It's already Christmas, and it's hard to believe. But the second half of the year always seems to just, and maybe it's a scheduling thing, but just pick up the pace. You blink, and it's March already. And I think for guys like this that are in, as we've seen and talked about, a division battle, a conference battle, Every single game is going to be intense here from here on out, as it has been. And it has to start with Wednesday night and beyond, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, you always want to establish yourself against an, a, a team in a, like uh, uh, Fort Wayne that we haven't seen yet, you know. And, uh, uh, you know, it's a big game. It's a, it's a road game. It's a game that we haven't, we haven't seen them yet. We're going to see them nine more times after tomorrow. So, uh, um, you know, even for our, the way things have gone, obviously losing three in a row, we want to come out and, and, and you know, get back in those winning ways. So, uh you know, we're excited. I think it's an exciting opportunity for our guys to get in there. Uh, you know, we need a win. We've got some new guys coming in the lineup, bring some life to our lineup, uh, potentially a new goaltender starting. So, um, you know, we're excited to get there to Fort Wayne on Wednesday after Wednesday night. Tell me a little bit about, now, not hockey-related, but Christmas. You're obviously in a, a situation where every year for uh, the foreseeable past, you have been playing hockey or coaching hockey around this time of year. So uh, I imagine Christmas traditions for you maybe have changed over the years, especially now that you're in, at you know, at home or with your family as opposed to growing up around, you know, junior hockey. What are your traditions? What have they been over the years? Well, the first thing I'm going to do on Sunday morning is run a hockey clinic. Um, <laughs> and then uh, take uh, maybe a, an old-timers one, too. I'm not sure if Mark uh, Matthews over there signed up or not yet, but I'd like to teach him a few things about uh, <laughs> hockey. But, no, uh, you know what? One thing we do is uh, we have Chinese food on Christmas Eve. Um, and it started back in, when I was in Niagara Falls, all the restaurants were closed and we'd go to midnight mass. The only restaurants that were open were Chinese restaurants. So mm -hmm. we would always have Chinese food on Christmas Eve. We've done it, uh, ever since for forever. So we will probably, we've upgraded from the takeout place down the road to PF Chang's and places like to that. Moving so, on up. Moving yeah, on we, up. We've, we've moved up from yes. those places, but we'll have uh, Chinese food on Christmas Eve and then, uh, you know, do our thing from there. You obviously have a son who is immersed in the game of hockey, has been since birth. Uh, is he? He's not here tonight, is he? No, okay. no he's sitting this one out. All right. In, in, in that mindset, what uh, what is on his Christmas list 
at the top of the list this year. Well, uh, he just got a package in the mail from Grandma and got an iPod Touch, and he absolutely freaked out as, <laughs> just as I was coming over here. But, you know, on his list is uh, hockey net, metal, not plastic. Um, I'm sure he made sure to define that, too. Anything Crosby, Sidney Crosby, and uh, what was his other thing? He, uh, uh, he wants a new hockey bag. New hockey bag with no rollers, though. He wants to carry it. He wants to carry the bag. Like a man. So, like a man. So that's what uh, he will be getting for, uh, for Christmas. And, of course, the old token Cincinnati Cyclones gear, all kinds of stuff. So. <laughs> you probably don't want to, to tease him, but if you want to play a good prank on him, unless you actually are intending on going after this, this young man, maybe uh, explain to him that you're in conversations with one Sidney Crosby's agent to come play in Cincinnati. I think he would flip. Yeah, I ran into Crosby's agent at the draft last year in Pittsburgh, and I, I've known him for quite some time. And... We were, we were talking, I was actually at a Panera Bread, I was getting a coffee in the morning, and, and uh, we were talking, he goes, remember, I'm representing your son, right? And I was like, <laughs> yeah, okay, you know, so I told Skate that he almost passed out when I said I talked to Crosby's agent, but. I need your assistance here, because we are going to give away this autographed game you stick from Mike Embach. And on that note, I'm going to have to see the first hand, and the first hand you see, you need to call upon, who hopefully will have the correct answer to the following question. Of course, Mike Ambach, as we talked about, went to Ferris State University. He was a Bulldog. There is one other relatively recent player that was an alumni of that program that played in the city of Cincinnati. He played for the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks. What was his name? <laughs> Not all at once. What was it? Big Joe. Big Joe. Was it Kunitz, did you say? Yeah. Chris Kunitz is the correct answer. Congratulations. Congratulations, he Joe. He takes home the autograph stick of Mike Embach. He played with the Cincinnati Mighty Ducks, ultimately then went up to the Anaheim Mighty Ducks, where he continued on in his NHL career. Coach, good show tonight. Thanks, Thank buddy. you. Best of luck the rest of the week. Thank you for a great show tonight, a great crowd on hand. We hope that you have a very Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. We'll see you this weekend on Friday and Saturday night. And until next year, for Luciani, for Mike Embach, I'm Nick Good night, everybody. Thank you.